Hi there, my name is Mary Kilolea. Welcome to the To Be Boulder podcast, providing career insights for the next generation of women in business and tech. To Be Boulder was created out of my love for technology and marketing, my desire to bring together like-minded women, and my hope to be a great role model and source of inspiration for my two girls and other young women like you. Encouraging you guys to show up and to be bolder and to know that anything you guys dream of, it's totally possible. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. Hello there. Today, we've got a great show for you. I am thrilled to have Elizabeth Bachman here. Elizabeth is the go-to person for advanced level training in speaking, presentation skills, sales, and leadership. With a lifetime spent perfecting the art of presenting, she helps high-level clients master a message that brings the funding they need, the allies they want, and the recognition they deserve. Elizabeth is the host of Speakers Who Get Results podcast, where she interviews experts on presentation skills, leadership, visibility, and cross-cultural communications. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us. Mary, I'm thrilled. I'm delighted we made this work. I know. We've been working on it right before the holidays (laughs) and then after, so we're all set for today. Well, let's dive in. Let's hear about your career. Well, as you read in my bio, I am a presentation skills trainer, and I'm really here because I've made all the mistakes. So my mission really is to help get more women's voices out there into the world and to really help women be heard. What I do mostly is I work with high-level women, especially in tech and law, to help them be taken seriously, be heard, become more visible and more valued. And I learned that because I have my own experience with glass ceilings. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, uh, I started as an actor at the age of five. So basically Mm -hmm. uh, I like to think that I've been dedicated to the art of great communication since I first walked on stage at the age of five And afterwards, I heard my mom say that I was the best goddamn bunny rabbit (laughs) ever to grace the stage of the Hillside School. And I was hooked. I went from acting to directing to directing opera singers and then to running an opera company um, over the course of 30 years. And, uh, And now what I do is I leverage the skills that I learned in the opera business and in running a company to um, to help women be heard. A lot of it translates. Uh, mm-hmm. What I discovered was that the skills you need to sell a, a product or a service or within a company, the, the skills you need to sell an idea are pretty much the same skills you need to sell a song. The difference is just vocabulary. So it was learning the vocabulary and realizing, oh, it's not all that different. So how did you develop strategic empathy through your own experiences? Well, strategic empathy is my copyrighted technique for putting yourself in the shoes of your listeners. Mm. Is how can you empathize with what they're going through? What problem? What problem do they have that made them show up? And then hopefully you have the solution to the problem. So you have to address 
what it is that's bothering people, um, the pain points, if you will. You come from a marketing background, so you mm-hmm. understand uh, it, that's basic marketing. Telling people how you're going to solve the problem is the key. Doing it strategically on behalf of your career mm-hmm. is the part that I have put together that I don't see a lot of other people doing. There are a lot of people who talk about how to be a great presenter. There are a lot of people who talk about how to navigate your career. What I do is combine the two and various other things so that planning your strategy and then using presentation skills to get the results you want can actually get you past that glass ceiling. What I hear you saying, and I found to be true, is that a lot of career women don't have a strategy when it comes to their career. Mm -hmm. They just kind of progress. Mm -hmm. And while that's great, and you know, progression is always wonderful, but to be in charge of your own career, driving it, knowing where you want to get to, and having the tools to get there is, to me, the optimum way to go. The thing is to be proactive about it. Mm -hmm. What I find so many women, especially, and I was one of them, are much happier sitting back and waiting to be recognized, Uh, you know, waiting to be recognized for the good work you're doing. And that's what happened to me in the opera. I thought, well, if I if I just did a really good job and was really well known by my peers, that would allow me to, um, that would get me the job I wanted. Uh, And that was when uh, I wanted to run an opera company. I knew that early on. The artists that I worked with kept saying, absolutely, cowboy, any, you'd be great. Any company you run, I'll be there. What I didn't understand at that point was that I I had to market myself to the people who were actually making the decisions. I had to reach out of my comfort zone and ask. And so even though I applied and I was regularly on the short list for the course of about four years, over and over, I would be on the short list and over and over, I would mm-hmm. see the job go to a man, uh, not always someone who was as qualified as I was. I didn't figure out until much later that that I should have been marketing myself to the board of directors. Mm. It was a combination of not knowing the right people. So the board of directors who actually choose the head of an opera company and the other unconscious bias that I recognized, but I didn't know how to manage in those days is that when you're worried about money, and nonprofits are always worried about money, you know, not especially on nonprofit arts, they're always worried about money. When you're worried about money, the tendency is to trust a man before you trust a woman. And that's a very old cultural bias. Definitely an old mindset. So when we talk about like that skip level opportunity to get exposure, um, some corporations embrace that and allow that to happen. But when when you have to take it upon yourself 
many times women feel like, oh, I have to follow the chain of command. I give it to my boss and then my boss shares it and she tends to look good, you know, or he tends to look good leveraging my work and I don't get the visibility that I want. What -hmm. are some tips for people in that situation? Either they're, they're too worried to speak up because they don't want to upset their boss or they just don't know how to navigate that. Well, one of the things I've been working with my clients a lot these days is how do you communicate the value of things not going wrong? Mm. How can you be noticed for doing everything right? And, and what I believe one of the best things is it's called seeding. That's another marketing term that, you know, I know uh, where you drop, you drop little bits of an idea. What I encourage people to do is uh, is first of all track what your track your successes mm-hmm. and really do it weekly if you can get an accountability partner make sure there's someone who says yes that's an accomplishment don't take it for granted right so that you track it every week what are the things you're grateful for what are the things that went right what are the things that didn't go right but you could figure out how to deal with them. Keep a list of that and then communicate that with your the next level up. Because then when it comes around, comes time for bonuses, you have a record of mm-hmm. the things that you have done. The other thing you can do is make little 30-second stories to say, Remember, remember back in June when we were having this problem and I knew somebody who could fix it. And look at this. You know, we're we're in such a better place now because because of that thing. Or, or I thought such and so we have a wonderful team and and then the team accomplished it. But you've got to drop in the piece about I thought mm-hmm. we could do this. And sure enough, it solved the problem. Um, another way to think of that is think about horror stories. Keep, a, keep an eye on the media. And when you see something going wrong with another company, you can also say, I'm so glad we have this part under control because, oh, those poor people over at Widget Company X, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Widget & Co., they're having a really hard time. Fortunately, we've solved this. We know how to deal with it. And just remind people what might have happened if you had not been there. And that's great advice because I think so many of us, when we are good at what we do, we take it for granted because it comes somewhat natural to us. And then when something's not broken, it doesn't get any attention. So I love the idea and tips there. The other part of this is women especially when you think about single-focused people and multi-focused people. This is a huge part of the work I do is that single-focused people are people who are really, they're, they've got one target and they work on one thing at a time. Um, it's often men, but not always. Uh, you know, There are plenty of times when I'm single-focused. And the multi-focused people are traditionally the quote unquote feminine viewpoint where you can see lots of things happening at once. The problem comes when multifocused people 
try to talk to single focus people and tell them five things at once. And the Mm. single focus people really can only do one thing at a time. It's great because that's how you get things done. But it's also a way that single focus people miss. They miss challenges. They miss problems that the multifocus people will see. How we focus on that and talk about that is a way of collecting your materials, collecting your stories, telling your stories, and then at an appropriate time, you can tell your single-focused manager, your single-focused boss. The other key part is don't just walk in and say, can I talk to you? You can you make an appointment mm-hmm. because with a single-focused person, you are always interrupting. <laughs> you know, they're doing one thing at a time. What have you learned from 30 years of working in other languages that helps you in your work? Your delivery style, the way Mm. you speak, speaking clearly, enunciating is important. And nowadays, we're in a very international business world. So the chances are very good that the people who are listening to you say you're speaking English English may be your your second or third language. So you have to make sure you're pronouncing things correctly. And for your audience, it may be the second or third language for them. So speaking clearly, and I learned that from 30 years of working with international opera singers and in many countries, how to slow down and speak clearly. What happens where people get in trouble, uh, male and female, is if they get nervous, they start talking really fast. Mm -hmm. I think, especially if you're doing a presentation, I like to think about it as the equivalent to a magazine article. You're going to have a little blurb at the top that tells what it's about, why to pay attention. And then you have paragraphs. Well, if you're speaking, you want to stop. At the end of a sentence, (laughs) stop at the end of an idea and give your listeners a moment to take it in. And then you have a subheading in an article, in a speech, in a presentation, when you're, you need to finish one talking point and then tell us that you're coming to the next talking point. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. Yeah, timing timing is very important. And I know when people do get nervous, I hear it all the time. They do speed up. What about the voice? Like women who talk really high or young women who might have younger voices. Is there any any advice you have for women to be taken more seriously, especially through like phone? 
conferences. Yeah. One thing is to beware of uptalk. If you're going to end your sentence with a question, that immediately depositions you. It positions you as someone who's who's unsure, unsure of herself. And it it throw it basically throws away the power of the sentence. That's one thing. Um, pitching your voice a little lower. Mm-hmm. If you have a high voice, having a high voice is lovely, but we have a cultural expectation that authority comes with lower voices. And that comes from centuries and centuries of male-dominated business. And it's still very much a cultural expectation. We are not out of that those woods yet. So pitching your voice a little lower and ending your sentences at a lower pitch instead of with a question mark. That, those are great tips. Um, have you had challenges over the years where you've had self-doubt and you had like, you know, that internal voice saying you couldn't do something, but yet you knew you could? How did you overcome the, the self-doubt? Oh, self-doubt? I have it all the time. <laughs> the voices in your head? Uh, I, um, I don't I know about those. you. I know. I have a choir. I have a, that's not, a lot of them sound like my mom. And <laughs> I love my mom, but she was really good at telling me all the things I was doing wrong. So uh, the key is to get out of your own head. What I find is most of the time when people are, have nerves, have stage fright, if you will, they're thinking, the the voices say, they're going to think you're stupid. They're going to think you're not going to, you're going to look stupid in front of these people. It's all about what you think they're going to think. But the truth is you can't know what they're thinking. I mean, the fact that they showed up to listen to you means they hope you have an answer to their problem. Make it about them. Again, try to get out of your own head and put yourself in the shoes of the listener. Put yourself in the listener's position. How can I serve you? Mm. One of the things I I love about being a presenter is that it's a way of servant, it's a kind of servant leadership is that if you are giving a presentation, if you're giving good information, that is a service. That's a gift. And that means that your expertise is a gift. So if you think of yourself as giving this information rather than, oh, I need to get approval from them. Right. This is especially important in job interviews or promotion interviews. You know, if you walk in thinking, oh, no, I'm going to take something from them by asking them to pay me, as opposed to I am bringing them my skill and expertise, which is going to solve the problem. Therefore, I'm giving them a gift. If you come in with that attitude and say, what do you need? How can I support you? I'm I'm excited to do this and yes I can solve your problem. That's how you get the promotion. That's how you get the job. Is there any physical things that you can do to your body 
before doing a presentation that sometimes helps calm you or, or um, bring more self-confidence? Yes, absolutely. Uh, there's, there's a classic story of standing like Wonder Woman. What I like to do is before I go online or before I walk into a room or on a stage, I will stand backstage and send my energy out to invite them into my space. The other important thing is um, if you're like me and you tend to be talking right up until the last minute and chatting right until the last minute, make sure that you stop before it's time for you to speak and just have a quiet moment where you are grounded, where you can connect to the earth and quiet your brain before you start your, uh, your presentation. And I don't care if you're online or if it's virtual, if it's live, whatever it is, that's always a good thing. Uh, sometimes in networking events, I will ask someone to remind me, uh, say you want to, you know, make sure you go to the bathroom and just to go and stand, close the stall door and stand there and breathe. Make sure you have that quiet moment then you can present with so much more authority and charisma because you are grounded. You're coming from a place of strength. Love it. Great advice. What is one of the biggest self-sabotaging behaviors you see with some of the women that you've worked with? Not stepping forward, not asking to say, I have not raising your hand to say, I have something to say. The other thing that I have found has been incredibly helpful for my clients is to make sure that you are speaking outside the company as well as inside the company. Mm -hmm. Make a name for yourself in your industry by sharing your expertise. Do a presentation at an industry group. Speak on a conference. Speak on a panel. There's a whole art to speaking on a panel. Speak on a podcast. because having that recognition outside your company will get you more recognition inside the company where if they're not if someone who hasn't seen you every day says to uh, says to your manager wow mary did the most amazing speech at our conference i can't tell you how many how many clients i've had who've done a presentation and then they've come back and someone in the office, uh, maybe even the receptionist said, wow, I didn't know you knew all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a two track system, making yourself visible and valued within the company and visible and valued within your industry. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about your podcast. Speakers who get results. hmm Tell me about the audience, what someone who tunes in can learn from you, how often you are publishing. We publish uh, once a week. uh, That's great. Almost every week. And I also do a Facebook Live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, which is 6 p.m. in Europe and all the time zones in between. Uh, And often I will have guests on the Facebook Live or I will give a short a short preview, a short tip, something that's easy to remember. Uh, 
Speakers Who Get Results is about leadership, visibility, communication challenges, and the international challenges. And one of the great things about being a podcast host is I can ask smart people to come in and then I get to learn a lot. (laughs) You see what I do? (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. I get to learn a lot by asking people who have information that I want to learn, say, oh, let me come and interview you. (laughs) That's wonderful. Um, When you reflect back on your career, what are you most proud of? that I kept going. And when things fell apart, I picked myself up and reinvented myself. Being a a presentation skills trainer for high-level women in tech and law, I think this is career number four, maybe it's career number five. Uh, And that I, I learned it's possible to change. If you could tell your 20-year-old self anything, what would you tell them? Ask for more money. Learn to ask for the money. That took me an embarrassingly long time to learn. Do you have a tip for asking for more money? Practice. Practice the conversation. Get a friend to practice with you, especially someone who can say, yes, you are worth this. And ask for, you know, nowadays we can see what, what the salary ranges are. Ask for the highest end. Ask for what you are worth. People will, people will take you more seriously if you say, I am worth six figures instead of five figures. Mm-hmm. People get uh, affected by that. Great advice. All right, last question. What does to be bolder mean to you? To stretch, to reach for something outside your comfort zone. For me, I have coaches and accountability partners to help me with this because I like my comfort zone. I'm, you know, uh, in some ways, I'm like a cat who's happiest (laughs) curled up on the sofa, not moving. So, Um, I have people around me who push me and I've learned that, that uh, I need that sort of push. Once I've been pushed to stretch, I find I can grow into it, Mm -hmm. but um, I know that I need help to stretch and to be bolder. And so I ask for help. That's fantastic. It has been such a joy to have you on the show. Thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you, Mary. Where can someone get in touch with you? If you're curious about presentation skills, you could try my quiz. It's just a free assessment for four minutes at speakforresultsquiz.com. And that's where you can see where your presentation skills are strong and where perhaps a little more support could get you the results you you want and the recognition that you deserve. Excellent. Thank you so much. Um, I will also include your LinkedIn um, on the show notes. So thanks again. Thank you, Mary. Thanks for listening to the episode today. It was really fun chatting with my guest. If you liked our show, please like it and share it with your friends. 
If you want to learn what we're up to, please go check out our website at 2bbolder.com. That's the number two, little b, boulder.com.